Hi folks, Wooden Boat Dan here. Just wanted to give you a heads up. The podcast you're about to listen to was recorded several years ago. So some of the phone numbers, email addresses, website, links, and time-sensitive information are no longer valid. Please keep that in mind as you listen. If you'd like to contact me, my email address is woodenboatdan at gmail.com. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Hooked on Wooden Boats, weekly podcast episode number 37, as in 37. I am your host, Wooden Boat Dan, and this is the world's first podcast fully dedicated to celebrating the art, craft, history, and tradition of wooden vessels of all sizes, shapes, species of wood, lengths, drafts, beams, sailing, rowing, powered, whatever they are, if it's all about wooden boats... We love to talk about it on Hooked on Wooden Boats. Welcome back for another episode today, folks. It is towards the end of May here, and we are rolling along, baby. Today's featured segment is a couple interviews that I did at the Olympia Wooden Boat Fair about two weeks ago. One of the interviews is with Hal Van Gilder who's the president of the Olympia Wooden Boat Association. And he has a boat that his dad built, his dad personally built in 1932. It's a 39-and-a-half-foot wooden cabin cruiser. And the second interview today is with Bob Peck, who's built about 18 boats as a hobbyist. His most current boat that he has is a 10-foot East Coast Harbor Tug. It's a quarter-scale quarter replica of one of the East Coast Harbor Tugs. So stick around for the interviews. I think you'll find them very interesting. I love doing interviews, by the way. I mean, I really get fired up about it. I get to sit down and talk to people and ask questions. It's a very focused time, and I get to find out stuff that about these people that a lot of people don't necessarily ask. I would appreciate it if you would connect with me. You can do so via email, dan at hookedonwoodenboats.com. You can subscribe to my e-news list by going to hookedonwoodenboats.com forward slash subscribe. You can leave comments on my blog posts each week when I put up an episode of Hooked on Wooden Boats. I write a blog and have pictures and you can comment there. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest if you search for Wooden Boat Dan. And if you send pictures and stories, I like to share those on the air. And also I have a voicemail feedback hotline, which is 424-261-2360. And I would love it if you would subscribe to my podcast on iTunes. If you go to the uh, iTunes store, to the podcast section, type in Hooked on Wooden Boats in the search box, that takes you to the list of podcasts that I have published, and you can subscribe there, or you can subscribe directly from my website by clicking on the RSS feed button, which is a little orange button. So thanks for doing that. I love to hear from my listeners. Well, there's some really fun highlights and news from this past week. Our family spent about 
four days, four or five days at Summit Lake near Olympia, Washington. And I had thought about taking my dory to the lake, but I decided at the last minute not to because that means I'd have to drive my truck and spend a lot more on fuel because my truck gets 10 miles a gallon <laughs> and my van gets about 22. And so I didn't take my wooden dory. Instead, I took my electric trolling motor because my sister said, yeah, they got a rowboat there. And they did. They had an aluminum rowboat there. But, you know, being in aluminum just isn't the same. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's, I mean, I love being on the water in any kind of boat, white plastic, aluminum, metal, wood. But there's just something about a wooden boat that's just got a warm feel to it. It's quieter in the water. It just feels, it makes it a more personal experience. So after spending uh, several days in an aluminum boat on this lake, I came home and said, you know what, I need to get my 12-foot sassafras canoe done. So that was kind of a motivator for me. Uh, and Monday, which was a holiday, Memorial Day, I spent two or three hours on the boat and worked on it again yesterday. And I've actually started stitching the panels together, the 10 panels that make up the boat. And so that's pretty cool. I'm pretty excited. I'm going to try to stick with it. So that was what I did this weekend. Also in the past week, I got an email from Jim Viber. Jim owns a company called Windwalker, Windwalker Boats in Kansas. And he sent me a picture of a boat that he built for a customer, and it was a Pelican sailboat. And so I emailed Jim back, and I said, Jim, you know, I just found out a couple of weeks ago that there is a shop, a wooden boat shop near where I work in Burlington, Washington, that's build, been building pelicans since the 60s. It's called the Smith Boat Shop. And uh, Jim emailed back and said, by golly, by the way, those guys are having a 50th anniversary celebration in August. Uh, they've been in the boat business for 50 years, building El Toros and pelicans and things like that. And uh, so that's pretty cool. It's a small world, and that place is like 15 minutes from where I work on Samish Island in Washington State. So I may head up there in August and check that out. And I'd also like to interview uh, one of the Smith brothers who's still, uh, he survived his brother, and he's still alive in his 80s. I'd like to interview him and talk about what he's done over the last 50 years. So that's pretty cool. The other fun thing is I've been invited to be a presenter at the Port Townsend Wooden Boat Festival this September, so I'm really excited about that. I just got this invitation, and um, yeah, so I'll probably go there and talk about my podcast and about my passion for wooden boats, maybe share a little bit about some of the interviews I've done and show some pics, so I'm looking forward to that, and I get a free t-shirt out of the deal. Uh, and actually, speaking of free t-shirts, or of t-shirts, not necessarily free, uh, I'm working on having a graphic artist uh, redesign my web banner and my logo for the uh, podcast that shows up on your phone and so on, and in the iTunes store. And I'm going to get artwork for that and uh, set up an online store on my site so that you'll be able to purchase if you'd like to a t-shirt or a hat or a coffee mug or that sort of thing that would have Hooked on Wooden Boats logo on it. 
So I'm pretty excited to get that cranked up here. Okay, as far as upcoming events and opportunities, uh, the next big event that I'm aware of, in the U.S. at least, is the Wooden Boat Show in Mystic Seaport, Connecticut, June 29th to July 1st. Unfortunately, I've never been to that show because I live on the West Coast, and this is on the East Coast, but I would love to go to it someday. So if anybody out there in Connecticut is listening, please send me a round-trip ticket, would you? <laughs> That would be cool. Anyway, uh, that is June 29th or July 1st. Then the Center for Wooden Boats in Seattle is having their Wooden Boat Festival. June 30th to July 4th. Uh, the Scamp Class in Port Townsend, Washington, August 6th through the 17th with Howard Rice and John Wellsford there directing a group of students who will each build their own scamp or observe the building of a scamp. And I've got some other events listed on my website, so when you get a minute, check it out. Okay, we're going to move on to the interview, interviews. Uh, I'm going to go from one interview to the next. So first you will, you will hear Hal Van Gilder, interview I did with him. It's about 20 minutes or so. And then there'll be a little pause, and I'll go directly to the interview with Bob Peck. Uh, these are both gentlemen that I interviewed at the Olympia Wooden Boat Fair a couple of weeks ago, so I hope you enjoy that. Take it away, Hal. Okay, now I am with Hal Van Gilder. Did I get that right, Hal? That is correct. Okay, Hal is the president of the Olympia Wooden Boat Association. That, that is right? also from yeah. Olympia, yes. So uh, we were just talking about Hal's boat. He's got, well, tell me about the boat you have. Give me the history well, and all the gory details, Hal. Yeah. Well, my my boat that I own is uh, doesn't happen to be at the fair this year. It's uh, on land being worked on. Yeah, it was uh, built by my father in 1932 in San Pedro and was launched in San Pedro, California. He actually built it in his backyard in Toluca Lake. Is that right? And then uh, uh, launched it at San Pedro. Uh, decided he thought you could drive it like a car, so he. Uh, he had this piece of property I live on now. He, he owned up here, so he decided to go from San Pedro to to Olympia, Washington. Uh, got shipwrecked. So uh, he came up the coast, the west came coast. Came up the coast. And yeah. He was shipwrecked. Uh, his crew quit him <laughs> in Portland. And he had to hire another crew to come on up. It took him uh, 10 weeks to make the trip. When Just he got back to San Pedro, he... Re he uh, uh, went into USC's navigational school to find out that you didn't drive a boat like you do a car. And uh, the next year he came up and it only took him four weeks. So he told me, he says, son, just remember that a college education is worth six weeks. <laughs> so this is a powerboat, Hal? Yes. Okay. She's uh, 39.6 and has, right now she has 150 horsepower gray marine. We changed out the original eight-cylinder gray to a six-cylinder in 1956. Dad was concerned that it wouldn't start quite well enough for him, so we changed motors in 56. Wow. So is it a plank-on-frame boat? Yes. Okay, so a traditional construction? Yep. Had your uh, dad built any boat before that? No. You're but if you'll remember, in 1932, there was a slight reversal in economics in the United States. It was called the crash. Yeah. And my father had uh, 
had the ability, he was able to make money fairly easily. So uh, when the crash came, he had a significant amount of stress and was uh, developed a uh, very bad ulcer. So his doctor told him, he says, well, Frank, he says, you got to get out of the office. You just got to close your office and get the heck away from us all. So dad decided he wanted to build a boat. So he went home and built the boat, took a year to build the boat. He built it in a year? Yep. Wow. Brought it up here, came back, and he told me, he said, when he got back to Los Angeles and reopened his practice down there, he said, I could eat beefsteak, I could eat anything I wanted. That was the cure for my father's uh, ulcer was Is that right? So did, so, he, did he take a year off of his work then? He, he went out, got out of the office for a year. Really? His, his, by by his, his doctor's advice. Yeah. He just psychologically was uh, uh, finance, re, the reversal in the finances was uh, uh, psychologically impacting him enough that he was just worried about everything. So yeah, he went out yeah. in the backyard and built himself a boat. So did he have woodworking experience, Hal? How do you well, build a 39-foot boat right out of the gate? That's well, pretty amazing. Uh, well, I'm, this is his son talking. So, but uh, <laughs> my well, my father was a unique type individual. My dad held three doctorate degrees from USC. He was an ophthalmologist, an anesthesiologist, and an oral surgeon. Yeah. He attended USC and never went to high school a day in his life. Really? He graduated from eighth grade, was commissioned in the United States Army, was the first commander of Brest, France in the First World War. Wow. And was wounded by with a hand grenade uh, in his service over in France. Came home uh, and uh, uh, wound up in, in Los Angeles uh, wanted to become a doctor uh, so he went and applied at USC of course with no high school diploma even in those days they said no nah, we don't think so well it turns out that there was a law in California at that time if you held a teaching certificate you were eligible to attend any college in the state so my father challenged the teaching board, he got a teaching certificate, went over to the USC, and the president of USC said, oh, for crying out loud, take a seat, and he became an ophthalmologist. When he passed his boards in ophthalmology, he became USC's eye doctor, and uh, while he was then USC's eye doctor, he went back through uh, and became a specialist in anesthesiology, was Los Angeles County's head anesthetist for several years. And while he was there, he took uh, further education, became a doctor in oral surgery. Wow. Uh, that's where he met my mother. Was My mother was a continuity person for the uh, movie studios down there, and my dad was the dentist for the Argang comedy kids. Hmm. Interesting. Oh. So he was a ter- determined guy. Uh, so if he decided talented. to build a boat, he would just go do it. Yep. That was the, kind of the mentality. That's right. Yeah, it it, it like can't it. be that complicated. Yeah, we'll just do just it. Just a bunch of wood. He read, yeah, he read books and, and <laughs> this. He had uh, 
uh, background and being able to build things. Yeah. And uh, especially as a dentist, they mm -hmm. have they mm -hmm. have in those days were required to do uh, much of what is now done called lab work. Mm -hmm. My father did himself in the office, so yeah. he had the hands and skill sets to be yeah. able to construct things. Just a boat's like a bit bigger than a than a, uh, a gold crown. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, uh, tell me a little bit more about the construction of it. What species of wood? How are the how are the planks she fastened? Is, she has uh, a one by one oak frames every nine inches. They're steamed. And then has uh, two-inch fur uh, planking. Is that right? Wow, that's a sturdy boat. Everything above the, everything outside the hull is teak wood. It's made out of bronze, bronze, brass, and teak wood. Mm -hmm. uh, above the superstructure, okay. superstructure is all fastened with Tobin bronze. So does she have a stateroom and a deep berth, or what's the layout inside? Uh, it has a well. It's a standard cabin cruiser uh, uh, pilot house uh, sleeping in the berth in the back and then in the forecastle. Mm -hmm. she was able to sleep nine when she was originally launched when I came along uh, dad reduced that capacity to five six and then uh, now that I have her at home I'm in the process of reconstructing her back to the capability of having sleeping nine. Oh really Okay, yeah. So is that the main thing you're doing? You've got her at home on a trailer of some sort? Or? Uh, she's 39 feet 6 and weighs 13 tons. She's wow. sitting on a concrete slab inside of a building that's oh, all suppressor brisk. Wood boats do not tolerate sitting on earth very well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, gravity works against them when mm -hmm. they're sitting on uh, service. You have to be very careful and brace them very carefully to make sure that the hull holds its shape. Right, right. So, um, how long it's, has the boat been yours then? Yeah. My dad passed away in 1975. Okay. Hey there, young man. How's it going? That's fine, thank you. What can we? Okay, we had a little break there. Um, so we were talking about. Um, okay. What were we talking about? Your boat, which is a Diana. Diana Van. You were yeah. asking how she's set up. Yeah. She's a V drive. The motor oh. sits right over the. Uh, uh, rudder. Mm -hmm. uh, single which screw boat. Single screw, yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. She's a single screw boat. Uh, her cruising speed is seven and a half knots. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the Gray Marine engine uses seven and a half gallons an hour. So wow. she takes a gallon of gas an hour, or a gallon of gas a mile. Okay. Yeah. So it's not something that you. Uh, <laughs> you don't use her for commuting. <laughs> no. <laughs> She's not something that would be built for a commute. Yeah. Yeah. So has uh, has there been, um, have you had to replace some of the planking over the years? And in, uh, since in her lifetime, the best that I know of, we have replaced four plank in her since she was originally launched. And all of them were due to condensation, uh, washing the inside of the planking and a lot and washing the, the salt water off of salt water preserves wooden boat planking mm -hmm. and as long as it's not exposed to yeah uh, the fresh water yeah. uh, they keep it, paying on the hole she's sound as sound shape. as a dollar cool. so uh, I uh, dad replaced one plank or two 
while he was alive and then I replaced three of them after he had passed. Okay. That, and so they've been all replaced. The bottom, the hull is now sound. Uh, we're working on the interior equipments and as I said, converting her back to the way she was when she was originally launched. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So Hal, what, uh, what other boats have you been involved with over the years or owned, other wooden boats and things? Well, of course, growing up as a teenager, uh, I had a speedboat. Okay. Uh, Wooden speedboat? Yeah, Mm -hmm. of course. Still have it. Oh, do you really? Uh, uh, Yeah. I was, uh, uh, Dad, when I was a teenager, Dad got me a Comet class sailing boat, and I competed racing sailing craft for a few years. This is in California? No, this was, uh, the competition was out of uh, Nanaimo, B.C. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, I sailed down here. I sailed uh, uh, in the... uh, uh, Heron Island race uh, tipped over at midnight uh, was rescued by the Tomahawk Mr. Christopher's boat uh, lost my boat for four weeks while it floated around Puget Sound without me for a while and then uh, we got her back oh really refurbished her and, uh, what kind of boat was that that was the Comet that was a Comet 16 foot Comet class sailboat looked a lot like a flatty a little shorter than a flatty class oh really Okay. Yeah. Is that an all pretty much open boat? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Yeah. Open boat. Yeah. Main jib. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a lot of fun when we were growing up. Yeah. Right. Right. So then later in life, then you got this boat. Have you done? Well, I. Well, the boat never had left the family. Yeah. Uh, I just inherited her when uh, Dad passed on. Mm-hmm. It became mine. Yeah. So. Okay. In fact, I was actually uh, put on the owner's. Uh, certificate before my father's passing. Oh, I see. <coughs> see, Diana Van is a federally registered boat. Oh, it she doesn't, is? Yeah, it doesn't carry numbers on the bow like Washington State registered boats. It carries oh. its name. Diana Van is what's on the bow of Diana Van. She's federally registered. Oh, really? And uh, there's uh, quite a story about that. <laughs> my father, remember, it was in in the war when dad built the first or after the first world there was a crash and then in 40 in the 40s we were in the second world war mm-hmm. well by that time dad had come up to uh, Washington and uh, he was his practice was in Olympia mm-hmm. and he and and five of his friends uh, he invited five of his friends to go out on a five day fishing trip mm-hmm. uh one of those gentlemen was George Barner Sr. And, in fact, George George Barner Sr.'s son is now George Barner Jr., who is a port commissioner for the city of Olympia today. Oh, wow. And uh, so George's dad, George Barner Sr., my father and four other friends were on a five-day fishing trip. Well, it was pretty boring, so two and a half days out, they decided to come back. Well, about a half a day coming back, Dad decided he didn't want to come back, so he sort of leaned on the wheel and turned her 180 degrees while all the boys were taking naps and so forth, and they'd been, they were traveling two days north before they knew they weren't going back. Oh. Well, my father and this group of people were probably not known for their uh, uh, following of rules and regulations. 
And so they decided that they wanted to go to Ketchikan, Alaska. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they stopped in at Sydney, or at, uh, yeah, Sydney, no, at uh, uh, Friday Harbor to let the United States government know that they were leaving the country. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dad went up and talked to the customs agents and asked, well, how much did the boat weigh? And Dad said, oh, I don't know. He figured you threw it up on a scale and weighed it. And I, he said, I don't know, 20 tons. And so they'd all go in the back of the office and start talking. Dad got tired of it, so he just walked down, threw the lines off, and headed north. Uh, you're supposed to check out of the United States when you leave. You're supposed to check into the country, Canada, when you, you know. Yeah. Well, they sort of kind of missed some things along this way and that. And uh, <clears throat> it started getting some notoriety that this renegade and these five guys were just sort of out during a war, cruising, whatever they felt like doing. So they finally, the people in Ketchikan finally realized, got the word that Dynaman was on its way. So uh, in those days, not having the entertainment that we have and the communications and all, when Dynaman pulled in, the city of Ketchikan decided they'd have a party because up there, any excuse for a party. So they all got together and we're having this little gathering and so forth, and the mayor of Ketchikan wanted Dad to make a speech. Well, Dad turned to George Barner Sr., who was at that time the mayor of Centralia, Washington. And he told George, he said, Oh, George, man, you're the mayor. You're used to giving public speech. Why don't you, you, you do the talk? Mm-hmm. So George Barner Sr. gets up to them. Uh, in front onto the podium and says, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know the crew of the Diana Van isn't here voluntarily. We've all been Shanghai. <laughs> well, that information got back to the Post Intelligence as Seattle PI, and there was an article in the Seattle PI saying, crew of Diana Van maintains they've been Shanghai. So all that raises so that now we have everybody and their brother uh, tracking it. So, Dad came on back, was heading on back, well, one of the members of the crew was a glove manufacturer out of Victoria, B.C. Mm-hmm. And he told that, he said, Matt, I've got a business to run. i got to get back. So Dad said, oh, don't worry about it. We'll just drop you off on the way back. So they dropped off to, at Victoria, dropped the man off, and came back in and came into Seattle, Washington. When they arrived at Seattle, Washington, there were three men in black suits, white shirts, black ties, standing there, indicating that they were from the uh, United States government's uh, Bureau of Immigration, and uh, had a few questions for the dad and the gentleman on what the thought they were doing, not properly checking into and out of the country, and oh, by the way, we're impounding your boat. So the boat was impounded by the United States government, and it took us two years to get it back. During that process, anyway, Dad had said, you know, and the guys from the customs said, look, you had a crew of five. You don't have a crew of four on board. He said, oh, well, we dropped the guy off in Victoria. And they said, uh, really? He said, yeah, you can call him. I'm asking. No. Uh, that's no proof. We think you lost him at sea. So it took a while to get through the courts and this and that, but we did, in two years, we did get Diana Van back. But 
instead of being registered in the state of Washington, she is now registered by the United States government. Oh, and is in fact. I'm sorry. Glass of water. Hot water. Hot water. Hot water. I'm sorry. Okay. So anyway, she's she was she was in fact federally registered, and she has in her garbered planks or in the planks and the, the garbered of the boat, it says uh, uh, federal number one 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 two three four, net weight thirteen tons, and it turns out if you were under thirteen tons, you didn't have an entry fee, and so that made all of those complaints go away. And so, anyway, that's why Diana Van is federally registered. I see. Interesting, interesting. Uh, so, Hal, you're the president of the Wooden Boat Association here. So, tell me a little bit about that group, and we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, this group is a uh, service organization. Uh, we put on the first uh, fair to the public, fair, public fair for Olympia, uh, Mother's Day each year. We have been operating for almost 30 years now mm-hmm. uh, uh, we tend to most of our members tend to have own or love uh, wooden boats it's not a requirement to be a member yeah. uh, we welcome anyone yeah uh, our interest of course is in wood bolts and boats and their history right and uh, wooden boats of course are are uh, becoming fewer and fewer mm-hmm. uh, they take yeah. an awful lot of work yeah uh, and uh, some, in some ways they don't stand up to the environment as well as plastic boats. But we think that they're ecologically sound. Uh, we think that, that uh, like one of my members told me this morning, that God smiles on wooden boats. Uh, he loves them best because he made trees. Yeah, <laughs> very cool. One other question here. Out of all the boats that are here today being exhibited, do you have a personal favorite? Oh, or one that you'd highly recommend I don't miss when I go down for the viewing. Wow. Uh, that, for me, is almost impossible. You need to see, there are, there are representatives of, major, of many major manufacturers like uh, Monk, uh, uh, and those, those boats, of course, our history for them too. Yeah. They, none of the boats down here. I don't think you have any that are less than five or ten years old. Most of them significantly older than that. Yeah. Right. Um, you'll ha- you'll you'll see the Gillespie. That's a uh, uh, ex-military boat. You'll see the Curtis. That's another group that's mm-hmm. that's uh, uh, Sea Scout oriented. Yeah. Um, you'll you will see as a whole variety of power and sailboats that uh, represent and for me to pick a a, a personal favorite uh, I guess I'd <laughs> have to say the one next sitting next to my house would be my personal yeah, favorite because it was built by my dad the Diana <laughs> Van yeah exactly very cool any parting comments for our listeners today Hal? no I'm sure glad that you came down I'm thrilled to have here anybody that would like to have any more information from us can see, get us on our website, oliwoodenboat.org. Okay. And uh, uh, we welcome any questions or anything we do. And okay. I'm thrilled to have you down. Great. Thanks, Al. Thanks for uh, joining the show today. Take care.
Okay, it is uh, May 12th at the uh, Olympia Wooden Boat Fair 2012, and I am sitting with Bob Peck. Bob, uh, Bob, thanks for joining the show today. You're very welcome. You were very friendly to me. I was coming to a park bench with my lunch, and you said, we we're waiting on you, and I'd never met you before. <laughs> so I appreciate that friendliness. So uh, Bob and I started yakking over sandwiches and... And Bob, you've got a, a really cute little 10-foot tug you built. Tell yes. me about that rig. It's uh, it's a fifth, a one-quarter scale version of an East Coast Harbor tug. Okay. It's designed to look, designed and built to look like those kinds of harbor tugs that were used in Baltimore, New York, on the East Coast. Uh, it, originally, it would have been about a 40-footer. And the features are like that. It's not a copy of any given boat. It's just has most of the characteristic features. Yeah. So, so how did you find out about these uh, East Coast Harbor tugs? I uh, worked in Washington D.C. for a while and used to go and visit the waterfronts. Oh, really? And look around. Well, what's going on here? You know. Yeah. A lot of big ships. A lot of other stuff. But I was always attracted to these, uh, you know, these macho, muscle-bound little suckers that seem to be busy all the time doing this and doing that. Yeah. Wow. So what were they used for? Just for moving, primarily for moving barges and ships around in in the harbor. They were not uh, used for long-term towing or to go out and bring any big ships in. They were the little guys who pushed things around, got them in, got them in place for whatever it was. And they would do some smaller towing of the smaller barges, but that's they were utility utility workers. Okay, okay. So tell me about the construction of your boat. Uh, how did you build that? It was built from a, what's called a half model. I, years and years ago when I started interested in building, I, I took a correspondence course in yacht design. And halfway through, I decided I knew what I needed to know. So all of my stuff since then has been mostly my plans and my drawings. A half model, you carve a half model of, a, of, a, of whatever you want, and if you're familiar with shapes and how they work, you know what shape it ought to be. So a half model means you're, you're physically building half as though you cut one a side. Yeah. It doesn't refer to half scale. No. Right. Okay, it's, so you built a half model what size? Any size. Any size, okay. And what, what one does after you're satisfied with the shape, you start with the curvature of the deck, yeah. The water line. The underbody that you think you need and want. And then the deck the the deck shape. Mm-hmm. And you do it on a ha- on a ha- on just a half of the half of the boat. Okay. Then you uh, you do you cut it, you slice it crosswise, like cutting a loaf of bread. So now you have the half model is a whole bunch of little blocks. Okay. Tip those over and lay them on a uh, piece of graph paper and yeah. draw the curvature. Really? For each, and those then become the what we call the stations when you build. Wow, so, so do you that's try to how cut get... those so each one is like 12 inches on the real full size or something like that? or On something like this, it's on 24. 24. And now I have on a, on a sheet of graph paper, I've got the curves for this hull from stem to stern. All I need to do is increase the size of the graph. 
I can build any size boat you want. Wow. So what I did was I took these and I wanted that I need to build the frame over which I'm now going to build a boat. Mm-hmm. And these curvatures. Okay. So I take so a So that becomes the shape of your frames? Yeah. That's the ship the shape of the frames. Yeah. And I simply cut these stations they're called out of plywood. I only had to draw one half, ex expand the size of the graph to whatever I want, draw that graph on a sheet of plywood in the middle, starting in the middle, one oh, half yeah. of the sheet. Okay. Now I've got the curve for a half size, one side of my boat. Cut that off, flip it over on the other half of the sheet of plywood, draw it there, cut that one off, and now I have a sheet of plywood with both sides of my boat at each station, wherever it is. Mm -hmm. Halfway back, in the middle, at the stern. And that is how it's done. Really? And so you set those up on a, on a uh, frame. Yeah. And now you build your boat over it. Okay. So that's what you use for this boat. And so then what, tell me about the construction itself as far as material you use and type of planking and all that. Well, the little one, the, the one that's here now, the 10-footer, is what's called strip planked. Okay. And these are made out of 3 inch square long strips of pine. And they're glued together edgewise, laying them over my frames and nailing them edgewise. Are they Both, cove and bead uh, the nope. joints or they're just... Uh, just uh, butt joints. To, yep, butt join them, you plane them, nice. and you have to twist them up at the front. There are uh, about 180 strips in that boat, that little 10-footer, and about 5,000 nails. Oh, my goodness. Use an air nailer, edgewise to nail them together. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Glued and nailed, edgewise. Use epoxy or glue? Uh, that one was done with glue. Then you, then when that's done, and the whole, all the wooden, it's, it's all done, sand it all off smooth, and then it gets a couple of layers of fiberglass. Mm -hmm. And that gives you... Fiberglass cloth and epoxy? Right, yes. Yeah. That gives you a moisture barrier protection. And resistance to yeah. abrasion, and it holds paint, which wood doesn't like too well. What material do you use for the frames on it? Oh, the frames? There are no frames in it. Oh, there's no frames. No. Oh, you built. I see. You built it over stations, and then you it's take the stations strip blank, and then you take the stations out. I put um, I put two uh, two frames in afterwards, partial frames, near merely to hold to hang things on. Oh, I see. Yeah. But a boat built that way doesn't need. It's strong enough because right. of all the all the joints and the curvature. Yeah. Okay. Now the front part of the the bow is made up of solid wood and the round stern is solid wood. That's the way the real tugboats are built anyhow. They aren't planked clear to the front and the back there. Mm -hmm. Lots of wood up there to bump into things. Yeah, yeah. And then the deck goes on. Well, you put the machinery in and then you build the deck. And then so tell us dots. about the machinery you put in that one. That one is a two-horse Volvo diesel, 13.4 horsepower with a forward reverse engine and a transmission. Um, 8 by 10 propeller, that means 10 inches in di or eight, 10 inches diameter. And uh, it's way overpowered. 
<laughs> well, so. but that's the idea. You want a big prop wash coming out the back end, big bow wave up the front. These are just to look. They're not for any yeah. other purpose. So where'd you get that diesel engine? I uh, It came out of a sailboat. Oh. And it, it was a used engine. Mm -hmm. I bought it down here um, over to West, West Bay Marina. And the engine shop over there I bought it from. Okay. And... Uh, yeah, it's it works just fine. Cool. Seven-gallon gas tank in it. Wow. I've only filled it up twice in eight years. <laughs> <laughs> so you finished that boat eight years ago. Actually, it, uh, the papers say it was launched in 2002. Okay. In, in, uh, so it's ten years ago. Ten years, yeah. yeah. So you keep it on a trailer or in a garage? On a trailer. Uh, I, I put in the water only for this boat fair oh. and also for Harbor Days on Labor Day weekend. That's all the water she sees. Yeah. But every weekend in the summertime, she's on a trailer, and I take her out to all the small towns and the other mid-sized town uh, parades. Oh, really? So she'll be in nine parades this summer. Really? Very cool. And all the way from... Uh, well, she, one of the guys I work with has family in concrete. So he takes and pulls the boat up to concrete to be in their parade. That's up in my neck of the woods. Way up in your neck. You yeah, bet. not too, not that far from Arlington. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very cool. That's for this. Otherwise, it's down here. It's the Rainier, Yelm, Tenino, uh, Tumwater, Olympia. Then down to uh, Westport. And, uh, well, I get it. All over the place. Yeah, whenever yeah. we get a chance to. So you were telling me earlier you built 18 boats now. Are yes. And what are you building right now, Bob? A 15-foot tugboat, which is going to be typical one-fifth scale, typical of the Pacific Northwest tugboats of about 1900. Hmm. And again, there are some distinct features yeah. that uh, set them apart. For example, the stem, the, the bows are always straight up and down. Okay. East coast, they're always curved. Oh, so it's a plum stem. A plum stem. Yeah. And if you look at the pictures, if you find one that's not plum, then it's kind of foreigner. Oh. The Sandman, for example, has a has a uh, curved stem on it. She was built by a guy from Nova Scotia who came out to Tacoma. Really? To... Um, to build boats. Mm -hmm. His name is Reed, and what's the name of the other guy? It was something in Reed, boat builders in Tacoma. So that reflects the East Coast. Oh, and the, and the counter on the stern. Uh, it sticks out and it's above the waterline on the stern. Mm. The typical ones out in the West don't do that because they had to get down close to the water so the log guys uh, could step off the back of the boat right onto a log line. I see. Uh, boats that do only barge work can have the whole deck and yeah now the smitty j for example is uh has only about three inches of freeboard when i'm running her full throttle the decks are washed and stem to stern mm. and uh, it's because i'm pushing a whole lot of water out from underneath her yeah but it would work uh it w and they were they were done this way so even though they weren't doing log work in these, the crew can get off re and easy off and under barges or anything I very see. easily. Yeah, yeah. In uh, 
the other kind of barge work, they will give more freeboard because they can keep the way the decks dry that way. Yeah, right, right. So that's a that's a good sized boat. That'll be how much will that boat weigh? Uh, about three thousand pounds. Yeah. Now, are you going to strip plank that or do something different? No, that is um, what the old builders would have called Ashcroft. Uh, it's, it's a cold molded plywood. Oh. Three layers of thin layers of wood laid at right angles. First two at right angles to each other. The third one at 45 longitudinal. Glued together with oh. epoxy. Oh, okay. okay. And again, there are no frames in it. Oh, really? There are some longitudinal strips. And there are, I shouldn't say no frames. There's one one heavy-duty frame just ahead of the engine where if you were to lift it with straps instead of launching it from a trailer oh. it needs the reinforcement there to keep the hull shape when you're hanging that much weight on it. Other than that it wouldn't need any frames. It's it's like an eggshell. Yeah. You're building this from a half model also? Oh yeah. Yeah. So when do you expect to be done with that boat? Well the target was uh, end of the summer this summer but I'm behind. Oh really? Yeah, I got got a little behind. <laughs> you know, so yard, what, yard work gets in the way. Yeah, I hate that when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you were also saying earlier that you like to build boats, but you don't want to maintain them, keep oh. them for a long time. Oh yeah, I don't like maintaining. <laughs> paint, paint new, fresh wood, put varnish and stain of varnish on new wood. That's fun. Scraping it off. Sanding it all down again after it's all put together, no fun. I don't like it. So I don't keep So where do you do with your boats when you're done with them? Well, I've sold a couple. I've given away two or three. I've given away most of them. Have actually. you? Yeah, they're yeah. Out of the 18, I think I've sold about four. Now, do you have a list of people that want your free boats that you can sign up for? I don't tell anybody that they're... <laughs> I just gave a commercial, didn't I? Yeah. yeah, yeah. We might have people writing in to well, get your I don't, next free I don't boat. Buy, I, don't, I, don't, I don't build them to sell, and I don't build them to give away. <laughs> it's an accident. Okay. <laughs> you happen to be in the right place at the right, the right time. Right place, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I frankly don't know what I'm going to do with this new one, 15-footer. Yeah. But... Uh, so what's the biggest boat you've built then, Bob? Well, the biggest one was uh, 31 feet. Wow. And then I converted a Bristol Bay double-ender fishing boat into a sailboat. Sold it, by the way, to three college kids. See, that was a sail. There's a sail. Yeah. Okay. Long time ago. They spent six years in the South Pacific cruising on that that converted Bristol Bay sailboat. Really? I would get a Christmas card from New Caledonia. Got a couple from Tahiti, of course. I mean, yeah. after all, college boys. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I think it's—I've uh, been told it's still floating down in Santa Barbara. Wow. And then I built a 26-foot uh, on the deck uh, classical catch. That was out of plywood. As far as I know, that's yeah. I sold that too. I'm, I've sold quite a few, haven't I? <laughs> I think that's down in Newport, uh, if it's still floating. Mm -hmm. And then they've gone all the way down to, uh, oh, just under eight feet. And uh, 15-footer, 18-footer, yeah. seven and eight feet. Well, no, eight-footer is a lot of those little ones. Different kind. I like to try out different kinds of construction. I even built a mold for a 15-foot sailboat. Oh, really? 
And I figure, well, I ought to learn how that stuff is done. And after I built a prototype boat on it, I uh, put an ad in the Portland paper that anybody who wanted to build a fiberglass boat could come down to my shop in McGuinville and even lay the thing up in my mold. Really? And there was a half a dozen who did this. Is that right? And they, we, we called them the, uh, the lobster tail. We put a lobster tail on the, on the sails. Yeah, it was... But who likes, you know, Tupperware boats just don't excite me. Yeah. So I, I quit that. <laughs> but, uh, got back into the wood Yeah, thing, I huh? got back into the real boats. Yeah, yeah, very cool. So how many years have you been coming to the fair here? Uh, oh, at least eight years to this one. And uh, I started, yeah, eight years to both. both, both which, which is the other one you go to? Uh, Harbor Days. Oh, Harbor Days. Now yeah. tell me about Harbor Days. I don't know about that. Harbor Days started about 38 years ago as uh, a host festival on Labor Day weekend for retired vintage tugboats. And uh, it's been going ever since. It's a big festival like this one. Mm -hmm. Instead of just wooden boats, these are vintage tugboats. Uh, not all of them are real vintage anymore. But there'll be when from 20 to 30 tugboats in here. We have a race on Sunday. That's not quite as boisterous as the one up in Seattle. Yeah. But uh, we'll have we have a race here. Uh, starts about noon on Sundays. They finish. Takes them a couple hours. They go out. They go out Bud Inlet out to the end and. Oh. The finish line's way out. There. Very hard to see them because it's up the inlet. Yeah. But we have quite a few uh, boats boaters that go out and park out there and watch them go mm -hmm. and uh, it's every year on Labor Day weekend okay we'll have a crowd between uh, 30 and 40,000 people coming wow that's a lot of people and this this time this one's going to have pretty close to that by yeah, the time by the time the weekend is over a lot of people here yeah. today isn't it the weather makes a big difference yeah it's like 75 degrees out yeah. it's one yep. of the nicest day we've had this year probably Harbor Days had, from the beginning, been sponsored by what was called the South Sound Maritime Heritage Association. Okay. Formed 37 or 8 years ago uh, in an effort to create a, muse a maritime museum down here. Uh, three efforts, and we still don't have one. Oh, really? The first one was with the light ship. You know the light ship that's up there by the, on Lake, uh, Lake Union? Yeah. Yeah. That first one, that was retired, it came down here. Oh. And was to be a museum, but the city and supporters down here were unable to get together a financing program to maintain it. Okay. So it went up to Seattle, been there since. Mm -hmm. And there have been two other efforts, but not very successful. Uh, so we've run the Harbor Days all this time, very successfully. Very cool. Uh, just this last year, in order to free us up to do more the maritime history, we turned the management of Harbor Days over to the local Olympia Kiwanis Club. Oh. And so the surplus of the earnings from the festival will go to, go to the Kiwanis. Kiwanis for their children's programs. Very cool. And we hope that's um, something we really were not into. I mean, we could, yeah. you know, this was a small operation of right. history buffs and things like that. Right. And so we're now going to concentrate our efforts more on uh, the, 
preservation of the heritage here mm -hmm. through whatever means that we can come up with. Right, right. Very good. Well, I appreciate you uh, doing this impromptu interview with me, Bob. I'm well, glad this we was it. up. And I want to go down and get some pictures of your little tug. Oh, you mean to do that? And uh, any parting comments for our listeners today? Just to thank you and to say, I hope we'll see you at Harbor Days. All right. When the Very little good. tugboat will be back in the water again. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks, Bob. You bet. Thank you, Hal, and thank you, Bob, for taking the time to do the interviews with me at the Olympia Wooden Boat Fair. I had an absolute blast. You were both uh, very kind and are very interesting to talk to about all your wooden boat adventures and things, and I wish you guys the best in the future. And by the way, I've been invited back to the Olympia Wooden Boat Fair again next year to do some more interviews and connect with the people there, so that'll be fun. Well, next week... I'm going to play some interviews from the Pocket Yacht Palooza that I attended in Port Townsend about a week ago. And I've got about, I did about five interviews there. I haven't decided which ones I will play next week because I'll probably play a couple of them and then play three the following week, something like that. But uh, the five people I interviewed were Howard Rice, Josh Colvin, Marty Loken, Lee Bjorkland, and Pete Leanhouts. So... Tune in next week and you get to hear a couple of those interviews. It should be a lot of fun. Well, if you'd like to support the show, there's several ways you can do that. One is to go to iTunes. If you enjoy the show, give me a five-star review there. That'll attract more people to the podcast and we can all have a little more fun that way. And if you make purchases through Amazon... You can help support the show by going to my website first and clicking on the resource tab. Click on any item on that page from Amazon. And when you get to Amazon, make a purchase of any product and I get paid a small commission. Also on the home page of my website, hookedonwoodenboats.com, there's a banner there for Jamestown Distributors on the upper right-hand corner. And they sell marine and boat building supplies. They have a real nice online store, very competitive prices. If you click on that banner and go to their website and make a purchase, I get paid a small commission for that also. So thanks for supporting this show. I really appreciate it. Well, it's come that time again to say goodbye. But we're not going to cry because, you know what, we're going to get some wooden boat fun going again this week and crank up some more interviews and I'm going to be working on my canoe and I hope you're getting out on the water and if you're not then you know get out on a friend's boat and have some fun so wooden boat Dan says keep the sunny side up and the barnacled side down have a great week we'll talk again soon thanks a lot and bye bye